Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right. Good evening. Praise the Lord. It's Wednesday night. It's God's night, as many of our congregation are used to me saying. Um, God is with us this evening. Good time of prayer before we started tonight. And uh, hopefully you've had some time uh, to prepare for service, have your minds focused. Um, I have just a, just a bit of a Bible study for you this evening and something that uh, I feel that God has given me in my time of preparation and prayer. Uh, so tonight, I just want to talk to you this evening uh, about Called Up. Called Up is the title of my message this, uh, this evening. I want to talk to you a little bit about really the, the, the biblical figure that we would consider to be absolutely the, the greatest leader uh, in Scripture. Uh, many revere him that way, and that, of course, is Moses. And uh, I'm going to have you turn with me this evening uh, to the book of Exodus in chapter 3. Now, Moses, uh, I could, you could preach hundreds, literally hundreds of messages on, on Moses and what God did with Moses and, and his story. And, of course, uh, he's been... Uh, given Disney movies and, and, and stories and Sunday school stories and so forth. There's not a lot that most people don't know about Moses. Uh, but I want to focus in on, on uh, part of Moses' life and, and a significant moment in his life because uh, I think in the situation and in, in the current uh, state of things that we're in right now, we're, we're at a pivotal point. We're at a, a pivotal point in, in what God is calling us to do, what he's expecting of his people. In some ways, I think that maybe God has caused the world to, to stop for just a moment. Uh, perhaps the world needed a rest. Perhaps we needed to have uh, 100% attention on him. Perhaps he needed our attention. And uh, as we look forward, many are asking questions. What, what do we do now? What, what does this situation mean? How has this happened? Lots of questions, lots of misunderstanding, uh, lots of uh, um, confusion. But at the same time, if we stop and we listen, we turn our eyes to God, we begin to, to really seek what God has in all of this for us, uh, I think we can begin to see a greater picture. I'm going to turn you to the book of Exodus, as I said, chapter 3. And I'm going to read just an excerpt there and, and share a few thoughts with you tonight. I won't keep you too long. But uh, Exodus chapter 3 and 5 finds Moses. He's in the wilderness. He's, he's uh, basically a sheep herder at this point. He's out in the wilderness almost completely alone and, and just going about his business, just being Moses, taking care of what he's supposed to take care of. He's been through a lot already. You can go back further in the, in the book of Exodus and find all that out. You can, you can uh, get any number of sources and really understand the life of Moses and the many different phases that, that Moses went through in his walk. But in this particular situation, Moses was just kind Kind of drifting. He was just kind of out there. And, and, and I want you to, as, as, as I go through this process and, and, and expound on Moses' life, I want you to think about Moses in relation to your own life. Think about Moses in relation to your walk and to where you are and, and, and to, to what you've given God in this, in this point in your life and maybe see the greater picture. See, Moses didn't think very much of himself. He, in the grand scheme of things, he didn't, he didn't see himself as anything important to God. He, he had, had, a, had a few tosses and turns. Of course, uh, you, you you know his his childhood coming up in the house of Pharaoh and 
and, and uh, being raised as an Egyptian prince and, and, and all of these things that he discovered about himself. And, and, and so now he's adrift and he's tending sheep and, and uh, no, Lord knows what, at this point what he's thinking and, and, and what he feels about himself in the depths of his mind about his importance in this life and what his purpose is. And so in Moses chapter, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, this is the, the famous scene that we know that he comes to the burning bush. And uh, it says in verse 5, it says, and he said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, God speaks to him and says, and he said, draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. See, he knew who God was. He revered God. He knew those names. As God declared who he was, and he listed off these, these great fathers that Moses was very familiar with, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, Moses knew exactly who he was. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason for their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows." Now again, I may have said this in a previous message, but I think it's always important to understand when you're studying the Bible, when you're studying the Word, and, and you look at examples like Egypt, you have to understand that Egypt, not only obviously a civilization that did exist and certainly a country that exists now, but in, in the symbology, the, the, the representation in Scripture of what Egypt really represents, Egypt represents a godless society, a non-God society, and I'm talking about the Hebrew God Jehovah. I'm talking about the God that we serve. They were anti-God. They were, they were worshipers of, of, of multiple things. They were polytheistic. Uh, uh, they were not a godly society, what we would call a secular society at this time. And so at a deeper level, we understand that Egypt represents essentially sin or what life was like before we came to God. That's what Egypt represents. And so the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. They're, in, they're enslaved in Egypt. We know that story. The, the Egyptians enslaved the Hebrews uh, prior to that, before Pharaoh. Uh, they had lived in the Egyptian society and flourished and done quite well while Joseph was still alive. Uh, but the Pharaoh's son was, was evil and enslaved them and demanded them of, of great tasks, building cities, building the pyramids perhaps and, and uh, uh, really, really enslaving them and keeping them under oppression. And, and God sees this and he hears the cry of the people. He says, I heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. And verse eight says, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land unto good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So God is laying down the promise that, that there's a place that I've set aside for my people. There's a, there's a heaven, if you will, a place flowing with milk and honey, a place that I've promised for them. But they're a long ways from that right now. They're in the land of Egypt. They're in that secular world. They're, they're in that godless environment. They're under, they've now become slaves to the taskmasters that they previously worked with. And, and folks, I want to draw that analogy immediately here for you. We have to understand there are good things that this life has to offer. There are things that we participate that aren't necessarily anti-God or non-God, but they're just things that we do in life. There are things that we enjoy in life. There's parts of society that, that, that we participate in. 
But at some point, at some point, when, when the Hebrews got very comfortable and they were enjoying the bounty and the plenty of what it was, something happened, something turned. And of course, it was the death of the Pharaoh and, and the rise of his son. And, and, and suddenly, the things that they were attached to in the Egyptian society turned on them. Come on now, I know you can, pre- you can preach with me tonight the things that we enjoy in life, things that are in the secular world. We give them everything that we've got, but they can turn on you. They can become something detrimental to you. We can become enslaved to our jobs. We can become enslaved to the tasks before us. We can become enslaved to things that become burdensome to us. And we can turn our way from God. We can, we can get absorbed by secular society. And so God is reminding uh, or is telling Moses that I have a place set aside, a place that's away from the Egyptians, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of sin, out of the hand of secular society, out of the hand of that bad place, that ungodly place that no longer honors or worships me. And I want to bring them out of that land into a place flowing with milk and honey. He goes on to say, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. You see, at this time in this land, in Canaan land, it's occupied by, by all sorts of different tribes, sorts of different people, people that don't belong there, that had no rights to, those, to that land. It was land set aside by God for his people. Verse 9 goes on to say, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. God sees where you are today, folks. God knows how the cycle of this life, the busyness of jobs, the burden that uh, corporate world has changed uh, since our grandparents and our great-grandparents grew up in the 40s and 50s. Mom and dad can't, can't split one to stay home with the kids and, ra- and take care of the house, and dad goes off to work and makes enough money to survive and live a decent life. Uh, corporate world makes, makes p- you're working two and three, uh, or excuse me, you're working the jobs of formerly occupied by two or three people. You have to work extra long just to make ends meet. It just seems like you continue to struggle. Uh, we're, we're working harder and we're doing more, honey, but, but the, why is it the checking account is always empty? What is it about this, this constant peril and struggle that we just can't ever seem to get ahead? You ever have that conversation with your spouse? Why can't we seem to get ahead? I hear it all the time. It's a mystery to some. They just don't understand that we've suddenly been swallowed up by this land of Egypt that we live in. It's difficult, it's a struggle. Uh, We work hard to play hard and sometimes our play even consumes us. Do you ever go on vacation, come back from vacation and say, holy cow, I need a vacation from vacation. I'm exhausted. We didn't have any time to rest. We didn't get anything out of it. Why? Because maybe half the time we spent thinking about the job that was piling up behind us when, when we were sitting there on the beach or enjoying our family fun on vacation and work was piling up on our desks. It wasn't like that before. It wasn't like that in early society, but this is where we are. And this is how Egypt has come to consume us. And God looks down and he sees. He sees the oppression of his people, of his creation. He sees what the technological advancements of this life has done to add even more burden to our lives. He sees the things like how social media has invaded our lives. There's so much good that can be done with it. We're taking advantage of it right now. But he sees the stress and the tremendous pains that it brought, the ugliness that it's brought 
brought out of people as they've hurt one another using social media, hiding behind screens, uh, children that have committed suicide and lost their lives because of things hateful said in these venues. God sees the oppression that we're under in this secular society and he's calling out to the leaders today. He's calling you up. He's calling me up. We're getting called up today just like this moment in time when Israel was reaching, when God was reaching out to, 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 to Moses and calling him up for this call. Again in verse 10, he says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou may bring us forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. There it is. There's the call. God said in that earlier verse, in verse 5, he said, I am come down. But the fact of the matter is, is God can't do it all. God uses his creation. He calls his creation. He calls us. For such a time as this, it's time for us. God is now calling and he's saying, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What is he saying? How does that apply to us, pastor? What does that mean? What it simply means is that those of us that are in the know, those of us that know what Canaan is, those of us know that what that country of land, that land flowing with milk and honey really represents, those of us that are fully aware, we're in an understanding. He's calling us today to reach out to the children, the innocent ones, the people out there who don't know, who haven't had that opportunity. He's calling us today to reach out to the children that are wrapped up in Egypt, that don't understand the benefit and the bounty and the promise that's ahead that they could partake in. Folks, he's calling us up today. Just as he called Moses. The time that we're living in right now should be a wake-up call. It should be a notice. God needs us today. As we go on in verse 11, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children out of, the, out of, Israel, of Israel, out of Egypt? Isn't that a question that I've heard many, many times before? Have you asked it of yourself? Who am I to, 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 to be able to do this? I don't know how to do these things. I don't know how to reach out to people. Moses was asking God the same question. God, who am I to do this? Well, I would speak to my congregation today and I would say, who am I? Who am I to be called up to pastor this work? What qualifications do I have beyond the fact that as a 16-year-old young man praying earnestly to be used by God, desperately desiring to do well in my life and wanting to honor my parents and my grandparents who brought me up in the church and in faith, reaching out to God saying, God, use me, what can I do? And God put a call into my life and said, you will speak, you will preach to many, you will minister to many, excuse me, was the words that God had given me at that time. And God began to give me visions and dreams in my mind, things that I could see of myself standing before a pulpit just like this. Well, I'm telling you today, if you're asking yourself that same question, if you're asking yourself the question, who am I, that, I, that you should go into Pharaoh, go into Egypt and help bring those children forward. In other words, bring them into the truth. Expose them to this awesome word. Expose them to this wonderful life that it is to serve God and be called amongst his people. I'm telling you today, Today is your day. God is calling you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful calling. It's a great thing to be tapped on the shoulder by God to say, I need you. I need you to go into Egypt and help those children out. 
Verse 12 says, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, the God your fathers hath saith, saith to me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? So Moses is talking to God and he's saying, okay, if you send me to do this and I'm bringing the people out of Egypt, they're going to ask me about you. They're going to challenge me. They're going to say, what do you know about this? Who, who is this that's telling you this? What, what, who, who has given you this call? And I'm telling you today, that's going to happen. That question is going to be presented to you in one way, shape, or another when it comes time for you to share the word, to share your testimony, to reach out to somebody. The question is going to be, well, who are you to tell me? And maybe it doesn't come from the person you're speaking to. Maybe it comes from the enemy and he challenges you in your mind. Who are you to reach out? You're a sinner too. You're, you're a fallen person. You made tons of mistakes. But folks, I want you to get a hold of that today and cast it out of your mind and understand that if God puts the call, if you're called up by God, he'll give you the words. Listen to what he says in verse 14. He says, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, he, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. See, God knew that the people of Israel would understand that if he brought up Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, he knew that those were their forefathers. Those were the lawmakers. Those were the ones that stepped before them. And God was giving a qualification to Moses. And I'm telling you today that your testimony, your knowledge of the word, your experience becoming a Christian, your very testimony is your qualification. You're being called up because you're already qualified. And you've got something to share and it's welling inside you and you don't even know it. And Moses at this point is probably quaking in his boots and his sandals, if you will, and wondering what in the world is God calling me for this for? Well, I'm gonna take you forward just a little bit to Exodus chapter four as we begin to explore this just a little bit more. Listen to what he says and uh, what it says in chapter four. It says, and Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Your testimony, your word, your, your sharing of this scripture is gonna be challenged. It's gonna be checked by people. What do you know of the word? Everybody has their own interpretations. Everybody has their own idea. But something that they can't challenge, folks, something that can never be challenged is your personal testimony, your experience with God. You may be feeling the same way that Moses did right there in four and one. They're not going to believe me, God. They're not going to listen to me. I just can't believe anyone cares about my testimony. I can't believe that anyone's even going to hear me. And what God is saying to Moses in this thing is, they will hearken to your voice. They will listen to you. Listen to what he says as he goes forward. And the Lord said unto him, what is, is it that is in thine hand? And Moses said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled before it. So what does that mean? Why did he pick that? Why did God chose that rod? Well, Moses' rod, of course, was the rod that he carried with him. It was the staff that he walked with, but it was also the, the instrument of his employment. 
He was a sheep herder. And so that rod was what he used to kind of move the sheep along and, and, and keep them in line and keep them working. And that was, that was a tool of his trade, so to speak. And so God chooses this particular item and he says, friend, whatever's in your hand, and I'm saying to you tonight, whatever's in your hand, whatever abilities that you have personally, let me encourage you today that if you don't think you have the ability, you're not an eloquent speaker, we'll get to that in just a moment, but whatever you've got in your hand, in other words, the skills that you possess, God will use them just as he did with Moses. Verse four says, and the Lord said to Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand again. So God does a miracle before Moses using the tool that Moses always possessed. He was a skilled sheep herder and he casts it down and it turns it into something scary. Is it frightening? Is it frightening to think of sitting down with someone or sharing your personal testimony or maybe for some of you even to to reach out to somebody even and let them know what type of a Christian you are. Maybe, maybe that's been a scary thing for you. Maybe you're not afraid of snakes, but you're afraid of maybe being called out. Are you one of those Bible thumpers? Are you one of those religious people? Are you a fanatic? Some of those things that I know that people have feared. But God chose that snake. He turned it into a snake for a purpose. As it said, Moses fled away from it. It frightened him. But then he commanded Moses to pick it up by the tail. You know that the most dangerous place to pick up a snake is by the tail? That's the easiest place. If the snake is being held, can rear around with all the muscles in that thing's body, can rear around and strike. So God chose that as the way to prove to Moses that he's in control. The place that you fear to take hold of the most. And so as Moses reached down and he picked, grabbed that snake by the tail, it became a rod in his hand, verse 4 says. He goes on to say that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. I'm giving you the ability to make this statement. I've called you and I'm not going to leave you without the ability to be successful. That's what he was telling him. They'll know that I have appeared unto thee. In verse six, and the Lord said furthermore unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. In other words, put it into your coat. And he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Moses became diseased in his hand, turned white. And those of you that know that in biblical history, this is one of the worst blights that you can experience. When you were a leper, you were cast out from society. You were, you were, it, it, was a, it was a death sentence. Eventually, your body would, would shrivel and crumble, and, and, and you would die of sepsis, or, or, or you would die of blood loss. And, and, and so uh, it, it was a scary thing. He showed him in his own body, listen, I can, I can do this just like that. I can, I can turn this disease onto you. And, and so then he instructs him again, put it back into your robe. He says, and put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of the bosom and behold, it was turned again as the other flesh. God was showing him that he was equipping him to be able to do the work that he's called him to do. That's the God that we serve. He'll never give you, leave you or forsake you. He'll never give you a command or a call that he's not willing to equip you with. Folks, if you're full of his spirit and you're dedicated to living for him and you love your God, I'm telling you tonight that he's prepared you for this call. Verse eight goes on to say, and it shall come to pass if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. 
And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon dry land. So now God shows him again another incredible miracle. He shows them the hand of his judgment. These are things that will be visibly apparent. He shows them a judgment, perhaps today. Can I say that maybe in just a small way, maybe in a greater way than we understand that God is showing us the hand of his power. Folks, I understand and I know that there are people that are perishing in our world right now due to this current crisis, but I want you to know that there are people perishing because of cancer, because of diabetes, because of uh, any numerous number of things that we in society partake on. 42% of our society is, is noted to be uh, experiencing some level of obesity. Heart disease is the number one killer. It kills 100,000 people a year. Our society is hurting and dying and hurting one another. Egypt is not good for what we need. And I believe that we could be looking at a situation where God is trying to get our attention. He's showing us the things that he can do. He's showing this, what, what nature itself can accomplish. And so he, he has Moses pour this water out of the river onto the dry gra- ground and it becomes blood. Well, of course, it's just a, a type and shadow of what's soon to come as uh, we know the judgments that are cast upon ver- Pharaoh later on when he refuses to hear Moses' word. If you're in that position, if you're in a place where you know that there's something more that you can do, someone that needs you, someone that needs God in their life, you have the ability to reach out. You have what Moses has given, what God has given Moses. You have the grod that's in your hand, the skills and the tools that you've developed, whether, whatever it may be. Well, pastor, I, I, I've just been a waitress my whole life. I don't, I don't have any particular skills. You know what? You have the ability to speak to people and interact and have a conversation. Well, I'm just, a, I'm just a technical person. I just sit behind a computer all day and type code. You know what? You have the ability to do amazing things with the technology that we have in our hands. All you have to do is look to God and ask him, God, how can you use me with whatever my skills have? Moses is our example. He's an example of the call. God chose those three things as, as the way that he would reach out to them. And if you recall, moving forward in the story, when he stands before Pharaoh, he does it again. He throws the rod down and turns into a snake. And, and Moses, excuse me, Pharaoh's uh, magicians enact the same thing. And, and, and then, of course, Pharaoh goes, or Moses goes back to Pharaoh again and again, and God continues to bring more and bring more. And it's not until... It comes to the time when the last curse, the last of the ten plagues is brought upon Egypt. It's the plague that took Pharaoh's own son. It hit him in his deepest place. I know there are people that are suffering tonight. I know there are people that are worried. There are people that have, have family members that are suffering right now through this process. Perhaps they're on a ventilator somewhere. Perhaps they're dealing with uh, great fear over whether they're going to make it or not. Maybe you're dealing with that same kind of fear. I can't think about reaching out to somebody right now, Pastor. I, I, I don't even know what to do with myself. I, 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 deep down inside, I lay awake at night and, I, and I'm worried about uh, what's going to become of this whole situation. And I'm here to tell you right now, God's putting the call. Moses was fearful. He didn't think of himself. As a matter of fact, it's believed that Moses may have had a speech impediment. 
Moses may have had a cleft palate. Uh, I've heard it, I've heard it uh, theorized that he was a poor speaker. And, uh, but if he was, God promises later in that scripture, he says, I will be your mouth and I will teach you what you shall say. Do you know that we have the promise through the Holy Ghost right now of that exact same thing? Jesus promised in the New Testament, I will be your words. I will give you the words that you need to say at the time that you need them. And we need to understand and acknowledge that with God, all things are possible. We can't question the call. We can't question what our job is and what our duty is today. Our job is to minister. Our job is to reach those with the testimony that we have because God gave you a testimony. He brought you out of the land of Egypt for a purpose. And just like he called Moses to reach back in and draw those folks out, he's doing the same for us today, I believe. Exodus 4 and 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. That's why they believe he may have had a cleft palate. Now when he says, I'm not an eloquent speaker, I've heard it many, a speaker many times before, I've heard people say, well, I, can't, I don't talk well in front of people, I don't, I'm not a good speaker, I don't know if I could teach a Bible study, I can't speak well. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf and the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your, with, with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. What a phenomenal process. What if, just what if you took the moment and say, okay, God, I'll, 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 use, I'll let you use me. I want to be used. And you take a shot at it. And you begin to share your story, share your testimony. And suddenly God takes over and thoughts are coming to your mind. Things are, are, are aspiring in your brain and, and inspiration is coming. And you begin to feel those words flow. Because folks, I'm telling you, that's how it started with me as a very young man. 17, 18, 19 years old. God, I want to be used by you. I don't know how to reach out to people. I don't, know how to, I, I, I don't know how to get to somebody. I don't know how to be effective in the kingdom. I literally felt like if I didn't take the time uh, to learn how to be useful for God, I felt I'm just going to be lost. I'm just going to be useless. And so I began can to be desperate in my prayer. God, I don't know what to do. Use me. And it was at that time that people began to approach me out of the clear blue. Amazing things would have people I barely knew or, or coworkers or people I'd never shared my faith with would step up and say, hey, hey, Russ, you know, I've got a question for you. Why does the Bible say this? Or why does my church teach this? Or, or what is it about you and all that church you go to? And it would open up doors of conversation. Was I afraid at first? Was I terrified? Certainly. But I can tell you there was that day. There was that amazing day when, when, again, as a very young man, I began to speak. I remember to this day the person it was. It was a boss that I worked for sitting at a lunch table. We were out as a, as a group. And she, she just looked across me at the table and started to ask me questions. And I felt the Holy Ghost come on me. It, it, was, almost, it was almost too much to hold back. And she began to ask questions. And the answers came and the words came. And, and one after another, I was able to share that with her. Well, that turned into a small Bible study and multiple conversations after that. And then another person would come. And another person would come. Before I knew it, I had Bible studies started. I had people who were contacting me to talk more. Before I knew it, I was being used in the church, being used in ministries in the church, being called up for other purposes. Folks, I want to tell you that this thing in my life, this, this thing that I'm talking about today has been the most fulfilling, the most powerful, the most meaningful thing that I've experienced in my life, along with having my wife and my family. It has been the most powerful thing in my life. 
It is a wonderful thing to serve God. It is a wonderful thing to be a minister of this word. It's a wonderful thing to be able to share it with people and see it turn and change people's lives. It's a tremendous opportunity. Did Moses run from it? No, he didn't. He took the word of God. He proceeded forward. He listened to what God had to say. And I'm telling you today, we're being called up. The world needs us today. The people that, surrounded, that, you, that are surrounded by you, people that you know, people whose lives you impact are important to you and, and you're important to them. They're a ministry worth having. They're a people worth calling out to. They're a people worth surrendering your fears and reaching out to if you just give them a chance. The book of Revelation talks about defeating the enemy. It says that by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, we'll win. And that's all you need. As I'm closing tonight, and I told you it would just be a short Bible study tonight, I want to take you to the book of Psalms chapter 27. I want to encourage you with these words, one of my favorite Psalms. This is a psalm of David, King David, as he expresses his faith in God's protection. And God was with David. Throughout all of his failings and through all of his victories, God referred to David as a man after his own heart. Psalm 27 says this. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 
I wanted to encourage you with that tonight, the psalm against fear, the psalm against uh, all of those inadequacies and challenges that we fear in ourselves. Now is our time. Now is the time to be triumphant. If you're willing to be used, if you're willing to step up, if you're willing to say, God, somehow, I don't know how to talk to people, I don't know how to reach out, I don't know how to find somebody to minister to, I promise you, God will give you that opportunity. We're being called up today, church. I think the things that are surrounding us and the words that are out there and the fear that is taking grip on this nation right now is a sign enough. And I encourage you tonight, be of good strength, be of good courage. God has not left you or forsaken you and he's calling you up to be used in Jesus' name. Lord, right now I pray a prayer for our congregation. I pray a prayer for this nation, Lord Jesus. Lord, we don't understand what's happening right now to its entirety. There's been so much information, so much negative, so many things that we can't seem to ascertain, but I know this. I know this, God, from my own personal testimony, every time that I sat and I wondered, every time that I felt fear in my flesh, every time I looked at my circumstances and my situation, and I could not understand why I was going through something, I know that every single time that I stayed faithful, that I continued to traverse forward and not give up, every single single time without fail, God, you gave me the answer. You revealed it to me at some point, and I could step back and say, okay, I understand. Now I know why God allowed me to transverse that situation, why God allowed me to go through that. And tonight, for this congregation and for every soul that's listening tonight, I want to pray a peace upon them tonight, God, a strength upon them, Lord, to know that you're in control. You're still on the throne. You're still in charge of this world, and whatever will you have for it is divine and perfect, not without challenge, but perfect nonetheless. And God, I pray that you bring a great peace, a courage within each person, Lord God. Give them a mission in their minds to do, not to be weary and dwelling on these situations and not understanding what's happening in the world, fearful for what's happening next, but God, a mission, a purpose, a direction, a vision in their eyes, God, that they would know that they've got more to do than to sit and wait, but they've got a job to do, Lord, as you've called them up. In Jesus' name, bless my church and the congregation and the many folks that are listening tonight. Protect them, God, with a hedge of protection. Cover them with your healing virtue, Lord. Protect them from the dangers of this world present today, God, and give them great sight, great vision forward. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.